Well, and welcome to Community Quest episode 248. I'm your host, Mike Epps, dying lots in Elden Ring. Uh, and with me, as always... Uh, David Brony, Panama Master, Shaping America's Youth. And in from Japan, Michael Baker, Gaijiman no Gatari, Living a Dream. Uh, how are we doing? I hear there was a game that came out. Uh, yeah. There was, there was a big game that came out. It's called Final Fantasy VI Pixel Remaster. It's fairly a big game, even by 1994 standards. Wow. How dare you. How dare it? <laughs> but, yeah. Uh... Elden, Elden Ring. Ring. Yes. <laughs> the game that has apparently extremely permeated the zeitgeist because um, like all, all the big streamers I watch are all freaking playing it. <laughs> yeah. Like, as in people that normally stream Fortnite? <laughs> yeah. Those, those are the ones that are leaving all those goddamn yeah. messages I keep seeing that just say Fortnite. Uh, my favorite Apex Legends streamer has played it on multiple occasions and has been, like, extremely entertaining doing it so. Like, hasn't, <laughs> hasn't lost his audience at all as well. It's, uh... Extremely entertaining in a let's see how many times you can die fashion. Yeah, or, uh, yeah, or see how you know. Oh, can he actually play video game. boss? You know things like that. You know, it's it's everywhere. Wheels cannot beat this boss. And uh, yeah, I am I am here for it. When will George R. R. Martin become a Twitch streamer and stream this? Never. Consider. Oh, I mean, Consider. right right after he finishes uh, Game of Thrones. <laughs> or Song of Ice and Fire. It's not goddamn stupid TV show. It's not the name of the TV series. show's been dead and out of the zeitgeist for three years. And still. No, it's, and still my brain thinks of that as the name of the series, which is not the case. All I'm going to get murdered by dogs. The world's just waiting for him to do another Tales of Dunkin' Egg. Oh, Wales just got immediately wrecked by dogs. Those dogs are vicious. All dogs in this game are vicious. They're hell creatures. All dogs do not go to heaven. Sorry, that was a terrible but, joke. It's true, it's true. But, uh... Yeah, so... The game came out, it was good. Um... Haven't played as much of it as that I might have liked. Got work Same. now for once. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but for you, it's not new. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've been fighting off a small cold, so I actually haven't played it since we streamed on shenanigans. I've been just starting yeah. out with some Legend of Heroes, which i'm steadily making progress now i'm nearing i think the end of chapter five i thought it was closer and then the game was like hey there's these kids they went to a haunted castle you should do something about that <laughs> so it's cute to do. yeah i say that knowing i have seen at least three episodes of anpan man where that is literally the plot line yeah. 
so kids yeah. just wander off the castle for no good reason. We had to go Scooby-Doo that shit. Uh, I feel like I should warn you, Wheels. The yes. reward for finishing this castle is a big sword. Well, that's then. That was the end of his adventures in the castle. <laughs> <laughs> there's uh, there's like a quest line. That's no, also, no, like... I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> you aren't you aren't willing to fight the pumpkin head here. Eh. I can go take my fortunes elsewhere. You're a coward. It's a good boss fight. Um. But yeah, uh, I just beat. Uh, like I've been taking it very slow. I just beat Market, which is like the first like story boss. That you can theoretically encounter like an hour in, but like you'll oh, probably yeah. get wrecked a few times. The boss you all said I was going to get wrecked by, and then I held my own. Yeah, but First then you died. Time. Well, yeah, because I'm just I'm under. I don't have the damage output to actually beat that fight. I mean, that's why you'll get wrecked. Like that's why everyone gets wrecked. Yeah, you can run into it immediately, and you will not be able to do enough damage for yeah. it to matter. No, but I saw somebody tweeting about how all oh, this is like a really t they were having a really hard time with it. And it didn't sound like they were underleveled. That's weird. Like yeah. it's it's a tough fight. Like it is not a it is not an easy fight, but it's not an unreasonably difficult by soul standards. Yeah, no, they they were like calling it like a, an anti souls players fight, and I was just sitting there reading that, thinking like, no. How are you talking about, buddy? Yeah, there I is actually just if fine. you. It's if you find a certain recurrent shopkeeper, he will sell you an exorbitantly priced item that makes that fight slightly easier. But uh, yeah, there's there's like a there's an item that you can find called Margaret's Shackle that will just like essentially you can use it like once or twice during the fight to just like sort of slam him down into the ground when he tries jumping, but. It's of limited use and it's extremely expensive. I don't think uh -huh. it does anything else. Hello? Hello. Okay, you, Hello. you stopped moving, so I was like, did something happen? Uh, no, I'm <laughs> just going live on RP Gamer now. I gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. But yeah. Somehow uh, accidentally twi closed Twitch Studio. Wow. That's impressive. But yeah. Uh, what, uh, what, wheels, you're going with your typical wizard bullshit build. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, I'm probably also going to, on the side, dabble in a samurai build because I'm just extremely intrigued by the samurai being in the game. Apparently, like, the Uchikatana causes bleed, and that's apparently, like, a really powerful status in this. Nice. I would believe it with a name like Chi Katana. Uh, Uchi, Uchi Katana. Oh, Uchi Katana. Oh, yeah. never mind. So it's not but, literally yeah. the blood katana. It is... Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, I have a friend who found a second Uchi Katana. Well, that's that's just too much. <laughs> proceeded to do a wheel thumb. Nice. But, yeah. Uh... Yeah, I, I'm running around with the warrior. The warrior gets uh, this just starts out with two curved swords, 
uh, dual wielding in this is not trash like it is in Dark Souls 2, so. How dare you. I do know that, like, I have definitely heard of people saying that, like, it becomes useful, but, like, it doesn't feel good, and that's a big problem. But, yeah, and it, it feels a lot better in this one. Also, you you don't want to get bit by these too much. They cause frenzy. Yeah, no, I've seen people get... Oh, madness. Things. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that, there is something worth getting around that area, so. Uh, I'm gonna keep yeah. fighting with my sword like I'm a warrior or something. This is stupid. Yeah, that was a weird choice, because you were like three seconds away from a. from a. uh. a save point. Yeah, uh, it's, it's a good game. Uh, there's a lot. The world is interesting and has all sorts of texture to it and sometimes you open a treasure chest and it uh doesn't do what you expect a treasure chest to do no not that other thing you don't expect a treasure chest to do mm. um but yeah it's uh it's every bit as good as you could have hoped for from the phrase like open world dark souls yeah, and uh, I'm enjoying another Japanese developer dumping all over boring open world Western open world games. They uh they they really put their all into like making interesting environments and generally a more uh well so like one of the things that we 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 learn about open world design as we watch it evolve is that. Too many convenience features are actually a problem for them. Mm. Or at least too many of certain kinds. Because, like, like, this and Breath of the Wild both make a very specific effort to not mark things on the map until you find them. Both because it makes it uh, less interesting to find them, but also because it gives the player the sense that they are intended to go get all of them. Yes. And by not marking them all on the map, you, uh, there's like some church ruins you probably want to pass into around here, but, uh, yeah, by, by not marking those all down on the map, you create less of a sense of obligation to the player that they need to visit and find all of them. Uh, and that is a lesson that this has taken from Breath of the Wild and gone forward with. Not that it wouldn't have done it itself anyway if they chose to do an open-world Souls game, because that's just kind of how they do, but it definitely does feel like this is one of the first generation of open-world games that would have been made with explicit, like, we played Breath of the Wild and have learned things. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So it's, it's very good. Uh, definitely one of the strongest arguments for how to make an open-world in this day and age. Definitely, uh, like, really strong environmental design. A lot of places that I see once, and I'm like, I would like never to be here again. <laughs> but also, like, that's definitely the point. Uh, there's at least one area that I can really only be described as this feels like I'm in hell now. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, Shock of Shocks, the new Souls game is good. 
I did play one other thing this week that I wanted to talk about mm -hmm. because it's the full release is on Friday. And that's yeah, yeah. Triangle Strategy. Oh yeah, that looks real neat. Yeah, I'm picking that up with my first paycheck. Uh, play <laughs> started playing the demo finally, which I've been meaning to for a while and just haven't mm -hmm. yet, and uh, been enjoying the hell out of it actually. Uh, the voice acting. It looks really good. Yeah, the voice acting isn't perfect, but it's fine. When uh, is it ever perfect? Yeah, that's true. The game gives the vi like the vibe I get from it is like we're doing a throwback to like Tactics Ogre. Yeah, no, I get that vibe <laughs> yeah, really too. The story doesn't feel like it's gonna go quite the dark places that Tactics quite Ogre as went, horrifying, which I'm totally fine with. Um, but it does have like that kind of like trying to multiple perspective the shit thing, as yeah. far as I recall hearing. But uh, the 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 combat's great. Like it's mm -hmm. it's you know all the games made by like I don't know what the hell the name of the team is that does all this. I stuff. think they usually hear it get referred to as Team Asano. Okay, but it, it's got a similar thing to that. Like okay, you can build up these points. Which, um, Try getting in the big ruined building. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to. Which, like in um, Octopath Traveler, you'd use to like boost, boost an attack or stuff like that. And this, it kind of serves like MP. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of going back to like the four heroes a light approach to some extent, hmm. where you know you can use an action right away. Or you can kind of wait and save up those points, and like you know, with the spell user. They've been doing like interesting, like variations on the system for quite a long time now. Yeah. Now that I think about it, so it's. I mean, it's not exactly like that, but it's similar. So, like, you know, the magic user, there's the one spell you have at the beginning takes two of those points. So you know the there's going to be like an empty turn between casting that spell. So you have to kind of plan around that. Mm -hmm. um, but then it's got, it's got lots of the other, lots of things you'd expect from something similar to like final fantasy tactics or tactics ogre. Like, you know, if you go behind, if you attack somebody from behind, you get a critical hit. Um, uh, after you move and use an action, you can, pick which direction you're facing mm -hmm. and there's some other nice neat features like that were almost disguise-esque like if you attack someone and some of your other party members are next to that enemy they there's like a chance they'll like join in for an extra attack so positioning is really important mm -hmm. and I actually I'm granted I'm trying it on hard but I failed the first battle. <laughs> uh, my first try and had to like go back and take like a more cautious approach, but it's it's definitely like got a very good classical strategy RPG, so I'm looking forward to it. Mm. The story looks interesting. It's like it's going to be political intrigue and whatnot. There's four rival nations that don't get along that well so that's not a triangle <sighs> uh, you can make sorry a good i meant three now. sorry i meant three not four <laughs> <laughs> have you had a sacred tier before yes okay good. 
What were you saying, Gaijin? Tetrahedron tactics. <laughs> you against three. Yeah. Uh, nah, it's too complicated. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, I'm definitely pumped for that now. It seems yeah, like it's going to be really good. <sighs> Bless you. Oh, Bless you. Of course, well, I'm already like overloaded with freaking games at this point, but... Yeah, it's going to get worse in a week. Yeah, I know. But at least a game like that, you can like pick it up, do a battle, put it down. It's it's a lot easier to carpent carp. I can't say that freaking word. Carpe diem. No, not carpe diem. <laughs> Compartmentalize. Yes, thank you. That word, and apparently my brain can't say. It's a lot easier to do that in that kind of game. Yeah, you can just section off like I'll do this yeah. much. Yeah, exactly one battle. Do some yeah, story, do a battle, it. and then switch to something else for a bit. Gonna be investing in some real bullshit this month. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Grab that, gotta grab, finally grab uh, Disco Elysium, the, direct, the director's oh, cut that's coming this out. Month? Oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah, the physical Switch edition of Disco yeah. Elysium comes out this month. Listen, it's fiscal year, baby. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Speaking of uh, Team Asano, uh, we discussed how, like, they talked about in an interview that, like, they were given, like, a list of options for what to give the remake treatment on when they went with Live Alive. Like, Live Alive was just, like, the selection at the top of a list. <laughs> no. What, what else was on that list? Did not say, just old old Square games offered mm. to remake. Interesting. So, perhaps we will see more of those after Live Online. It's time. It's Bahamut Lagoon's time, baby. Uh, yeah, yeah, go for it. That was actually de decent. <laughs> uh, Japanese fan base, fan base can get pissed off all over again. How about a Secret of Evermore remake in the style of the Trials of Mana remake? I am not 100% convinced that Square Japan even remembers what Secret of Evermore happened. Well, I will remind them. How? With a strongly worded letter? Yes. <laughs> Very strongly worded. We'll use all the strong words. Can I also just say that like one of the recurrent... Like Sin of a Submariner? Yes. <laughs> And I hate, 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 hate that you haven't done this yet. <laughs> well, then they're going to think you want the FF6 HDTV remake, which I think would, you would probably consider a boon. Then. Yes. Oh, let me talk about the Final Fantasy VI Pixel remaster real quick. Mm -hmm. It's awesome. There you go. Okay. Story. How do you feel about the opera scene? I have not gotten to the opera scene yet, but I've heard it's very good. It's had some controversy around it, but mostly because people had never actually heard the lyrics sung. Oh, yeah. I've heard it sung in, like, three different languages. What do you mean? It's, it's been sung in, like, eight languages for yeah. this. Yeah. I, I mean, I heard it in three languages 20 years ago off of Napster, so I don't know what this Yeah, pretty much. A lot of people never check that out. I think a lot of them are also, like, they remember hearing it... They, they remember reading it and not hearing it, 
and hearing it makes them realize that it's kind of a really hokey song in a lot of ways. Yeah. This, it sounds a lot better in Italian. Sounds good to me. Oh, sure, because that's how operas are meant to be sung. <laughs> a lot yep. of opera songs, a lot of Italian operas, if you hear what the lyrics are actually saying, it's like, oh, this is really hokey and dumb. <laughs> oh, did, you ever, did you ever read the Terry Pratchett book Masquerade? I have not. I should, though. Well, a lot it, of it was a, on my list. Yeah, it's a um, it's a send up of the among other things the Phantom of the Opera. Mm-hmm. Um, but at one point, a character is practicing this one small aria for, uh, from this opera. It's just like a really minor thing, but it's considered very prestigious to get to do it. And yeah. as it turns out, the translation of the aria is "Shut, shut, shut! This damn door won't shut. Why won't it shut? Somebody must have knocked off the hinges or something." <laughs> yeah, a lot of them are really dumb. Yeah. They're just beautifully sung, and you can't tell what they're saying. But yeah, uh, but yeah, uh, so that happened. Dot uh, hack gu last recode begins edition, aka the switch physical version, will be winging its way to me and wheel sometime over the next uh, week and a half, and that yeah. will destroy me. And wheels will get uh, distracted by a shiny object. No, I really, uh, really want to get through that. I just, I'm just gonna have to grip my teeth and play, get through the first game, second time. It's still, you'll, you'll probably uh, catch bits that you didn't notice the first time. Probably. That's how it was for me. <laughs> but it, it, it might be, also. Okay. It'll be much easier to do on Switch. So I can yeah. do it like hanging on the couch, play hanging on the couch with the kids, or where, mm-hmm. wherever. You too can listen to Yuri Lowenthal scream about how like caring about like the beautiful vistas of an MMO, of an MMO is stupid because it's just textures on polygons. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, very excited to play Aren't that. All just textures on polygons of some sort. I mean, if you're in a video game, I suppose. Uh, what if we're all just living in an MMO? Then what if this? Then what if this is Star Ocean something. Three? No, and it's not any number of just un, any of the ungodly number of animes about that concept as well. Is there more about that? That's an entire genre, my dude. Oh God! All oh, right, Sword Art Online. Sword Art Online. Is that like? Dot Hack and Sword Art Online are like one is like the evil twin of the other, because like Dot Hack is what happens when that concept is approached by someone who's primarily into like the humanistic side of sci-fi and has written a lot of shit like Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex and uh, Pat Labor and uh, Sword Art Online is what happens when that's written by like an amateur lit RPG writer. <laughs> hmm. But not a good one, yeah. like our dear friend. <laughs> yeah. Um, the amount of lit RPG that is directly based on Sword Art Online is really annoying. Yeah. Kind of poisons the reputation of the entire genre after a bit. Uh, it kind of crystallized the genre originally because a lot of it was actually Sword Art Online fan fiction out of Russia. Oh, yeah, that did. Huh. Sword yeah, Art was I'm big in a lot of here. places. That was, that's, 
that's the original core for the current lit RPG as a genre thing. Was originally fan translations of Russian sword art online fan fiction. Huh. Y'all should look up the wild ass uh, Wizard of Oz sequels that are only in Russian. But yeah. Uh, are there any cra- are there any crazier than the actual Wizard of Oz sequels? Uh, they're crazy in very different directions, which is impressive because the actual Wizard of Oz sequels go in many directions because they're mostly Al Frank Baum realizing that he cannot sell non-Oz stories to publishers. But, uh... Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, even, even from the second book onwards, or even the first book, but from the second book onwards, it just keeps... When you get to Ozma of Oz and it's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like eventually, like like they they get weirder as they go on, uh, but as, they also chafe directly against like Al Frank Baum wanting desperately to write anything that is not even tangentially tied to Oz. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the Russian ones are weird in entirely different directions, which again is impressive because uh, you know very like. The L. Frank Baum penned ones are already weird in a number of directions. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, dot, dot Hack was. Uh, I've brought this up before. I'll bring it up again. The reason Dot Hack is interesting in a way that a lot of those other things aren't is because it's not actually that interested in the MMO. It's interested in the people who play the MMO and why they play it. Yep. But dot hack was still the better example. Yeah, that's what, that's what I mean. Like that's why it's good. It's interested yeah. in the people, and occasionally the corporate sub uh, the corporate nonsense of, well, this object is probably killing people, but also it makes a lot of money. So who's to say what we should do about it? <laughs> huh. Uh, that is an explicit uh sort of plot point that happens throughout the first four games. It's just like <laughs> the the uh, CC Corporation, unsubtly named after CyberConnect itself, uh, is uh, very much disinterested in the concept of actually shutting down this MMO long enough to like work out what's causing this. It's trying to investigate shit without action, even though incidents are becoming more frequent and worse. I love that uh, they named the evil company in the game after themselves. Yeah, it's so good. I love that. Uh, yeah. Oh, there was actually a CyberConnect uh, implication. Oh, yeah. Uh, Fuga is getting a sequel. It's supposed to be a trilogy. Yeah, Fuga 2 and 3. I would not have expected that by virtue of the fact that it seemed like Fuga tanked, but I guess they just love it that much. I mean, CyberConnect is also a company that does not mind throwing money after projects that it just thinks are fun. Yeah, it seems like when they... Is they... When is the okay. fact that Fuga is technically like the third game and fourth entry in Little Tail Bronx? Yeah. It's, I get the sense that they like lined up some projects to adapt some more, li- to make some more like anime games that will be better than they deserve to be because CyberConnect tends to make licensed games that are better than they deserve to be. Yeah, that Dragon uh, Ball Z game they made is really good. Yeah, like they lined up a few more of those projects, and that will make sure that regardless of how well or poorly Fuka 2 and 3 do, that they won't break the bank. <laughs> yeah. Definitely, but yeah, Fuka. Definitely a group that loves what they do. 
Yeah. And I mean, like, it's it's good that they're the kind of company that will just, like, throw money at passion projects. Like, that's what makes them still interesting. But That's what, keeps, that's what gives them a fan base. Yep. But yeah. So I'm glad to... I, I'm glad I need to pick up Fuga. Uh, oh! Oh, there's there's one more important piece of news. Trails Trails from Zero has an English release date now. Yay. Oh, wow. It's in September. It's in the same month as Xenosaga. Great. Yep. Great. Guess what comes out two months later, buddy? What? Oh, God. Pokemon. Pokemon. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Did Pokemon get announced between this and the last episode? It did. It did. Yes, it did. Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. Yes. Seemingly taking place in Spain. Yes. Just based on the names uh, Brigatito and Fuecoco. Uh, Fue, uh, Quaxley. Quaxley. But Fuecoco is one of the ones that's more like obviously, oh, this is like the Spanish word for fire. Yeah. But, uh, eh. hmm? yeah, I'm just looking at a weird statue. Don't mind me. Oh, okay. But yeah, uh, it looks really cool. Uh, it looks like it's taken a lot of technology that was likely developed for both it and Legends. Yeah. They announced that it is a full-on open-world Pokemon game. There are no, like, it, like seamless transitions from uh, adventure area to uh, town and back again. I'm very curious how that will affect the gym structure. Mm. Uh, well, anything that makes a new... Variation on the gym structure is going to be really interesting. Yeah, like that's so. that's one of the things that has me excited is that like because that's the other thing is that usually the second game that they make uh, in the main series for a new piece of hardware is the much more ambitious one. Like they'll make a game for a new piece of hardware that's a very back to basics one, and that can be good because I mean like I like X and Y, I like Sword and Shield, uh, but then. The second game that they make will be the one that's a little more out there. So you have like Gen Four and Gen Five. Uh, you have because uh, you know you have Sinnoh uh, and Pokemon Diamond Pearl Platinum, which are pretty normal, normal-ish Pokemon games. And then you have Black and White, which takes some swings in both uh, plot. And then you have uh, X and Y, the Kalos region, that's, you know, pretty normal games, relatively speaking. Uh, you know, they're, they're sort of back to basics. And then and you have, you have Sun and Moon, the Alolan games, which, you know, take some wild swings again. And they're but, still yeah. the best. Thank you. I'll take your word. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, But yeah, it's it's one of those things, like, that's the other reason that I'm excited for Gen 9, is that, like, uh, also Sprigatito, uh, all about that. Uh, I love uh, I love cat Pokemons. I'm always using the grass starter anyway. Now I don't have to feel bad. Um, should I, should I um, forward you some pictures I found online where somebody photoshopped the cat's face to have a weed leaf instead? Oh, I've seen so many of those. There was an entire, like, day where, like, Weed Cat was trending on English Twitter. 
Oh, it had like there was somebody they they had like finally my dream team and it was had six different cat-based Pokemon and identifying which type of which <laughs> character personality they had and Springtito was the supplier. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a uh, I saw a piece of fan art that was just the uh, it was Sprigatito and Litten both smoking joints with the implication <laughs> that Sprigatito had provided them and Litten had lit them up. Nice. <laughs> so yeah, we are we are living in the world of weed Pokemon. Uh, but yeah, no, that, that game, uh, it, it also just to, to look at the trailer, I mean, if, if you're complaining that Pokemon games just aren't technically pretty enough, I mean, it's clear that with each game they're pushing it. They're trying harder and harder because like that mm -hmm. looks significantly more technically accomplished than Sword and Shield, which I already thought looked fine. <laughs> I think those games look great. I love love those yeah. games. But yeah, I, I like got a copy the expansion. My brother for Christmas just recently. Oh, nice. and, I mean, two almost two months late for Christmas, but hey, that's the postal service here right now. Yeah, um, that's what happens. Well, eventually, I'm going to get around to that. Yeah, it's a good I game. Have, I, I just kind of need to uh, play this one game that I got for Employee of the Month two years ago. First. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Considering all the trouble that went through to make sure that it actually got to me. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's fair. I goofed with my pick for Employee of the Month. What did you pick? Kenna Bridge of Spirits. Huh, I did not know you even had that. I did. It was very pretty and incredibly boring. Uh, yeah, I was thinking that it must have not interested you because you never even brought it up. Nope. I had nothing no. to say about it. Other than this, <laughs> it was very That's boring. Harsh. I was very, uh, very disappointed. Well, in any case, the next time, next time for or pretty much going onward at this point, employee of the month. If I ever actually get it, it's going to just be a Nintendo eShop card. So, yeah, it's just better for everyone involved. <laughs> yeah. Plus, uh, plus the actual content on the English or Japanese shops is a little different, and the sales are not always the same. Oh, so, that's fair. It's it's worth it to bit to keep some money on both accounts since I can't use my Japanese yen card for my American account either. So. Okay. So, um let's see. Uh Oh yeah, do we want to delve into the room, uh, to, into in the uh, realm of quote-unquote rumor and speculation? Sure. Oh, what now? Oh, uh, so someone someone hacked Nvidia and is ransoming data about things, and one of the things they brought up was uh, seemingly stuff about the Switch successor. Hmm. Which is to say uh, the there was some information about APIs that uh, have are seemingly being built for it. Uh, as far as I can tell, the Switch has like an NVN API. They were showing uh, references to an NVN API, uh, an NVN two API. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll pretend that these letters mean something to me. 
A APIs, basically, in this case, it's just how you program the thing to make graphic. <laughs> Uh, specifically, it ha has API calls for, well, rip, to both you and your horse. But it didn't seem, well, whatever, I got a 100% physical shield out of that that I can actually use. Worth it. Worth. But, uh, yeah, so the, the weird thing about the, the thing that's interesting about it is that the things that the API can do reveal aspects about the, the... Uh, design of the hardware, because like the hardware, if the API has calls for the hardware to do specific things, it means things about that hardware, and in this case it has, apparently has API calls for ray tracing and uh, DLSS deep learning super sampling, which basically means that you use uh, you make a tiny ass image, and then you have uh, machine learning scale it up to a much higher resolution. So, the idea cool. would be... Oh, good. That was just cool. Okay. Oh, yeah. So, like, the idea is that, like, a lot of Switch games, one of the things that they'll do is that they will drop resolution in order to conserve power or, you know, make it increased frame rate, that sort of thing. The idea of DLSS is that you make that less obvious because you have a... Uh, you have this uh, machine learning-based algorithm that is computationally cheaper than rendering it at a higher resolution, but which decreases the impression that the resolution has, has dropped. And so that's, that's very interesting. Uh, the, this combines with the existing rumor that uh, seems largely well-sourced that it will be using the NVIDIA Tegra 2... A variant of the NVIDIA Tegra 234 or 239, which are in the same like family of chips. Uh, the Switch uses a Tegra X1, which is a very powerful mobile chip from, like... Uh, that was devised in, like, 2015. These things were, like, devised in 2019. I don't know if there's actually any devices that use them yet. Uh, I think what I could find said like that they were expected to launch in this quarter of 2022, like a pretty, a pretty bleeding edge mobile piece of hardware. But like, if you actually look at the specs on them, they're kind of terrifying for mobile, like kind of PS4 between PS4 and PS4 pro in terms of power profile. Wow. Oh, wow. Which means so, they like, may be getting Final Fantasy seven remastered for switch eventually. Yeah, like, if, if they... I could see Square getting ambitious and being like, we'll put FF7 Remake and FF15 on the Switch 2. <laughs> but yeah, that that seems to be... That's what the current rumors are. Like, all of them kind of point in the same direction. There's a lot of smoke in this direction. There's probably a fire there somewhere. Uh, maybe 2023 is when I expect we might start hearing about it, but... Yeah, so that was interesting. Uh, wanted to talk a little bit about it. Uh, my description was very inexpert, but maybe it will have given people some idea of uh, what these rumors are and where they're coming from. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, uh, that would also, just as an amateur bit of market analysis, that's kind of the ideal space for Nintendo to be in, because one of the things that's made the Switch... Uh, 
such a good uh, put the switch in such a good position is that it's a perfect place for companies to put legacy content in a way that allows them to fund their really expensive product PS4 and Xbox One. So a Switch 2 that can run PS4 and Xbox One games lets them uh, reuse the lets them port those old projects that they've uh, spent so much money on and fund their PS5 and Xbox projects. <laughs> so suddenly they have an excuse to they have a yeah they have a huge they have a great deal of desire to bring those over and an audience that very likely either hasn't played them in forever, never played them, or would pay to play them portable. <laughs> yes. Yep. Uh, also, Wheels is fighting an enemy that seems to barely realize he is there. I don't think I'm fighting him so much as cleaning fungus off his feet. Yeah, you seem to just be cleaning its foot. And it seems to, like, be regarding this mostly with a mix of confusion and disinterest. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um, so yeah just wanted to bring that up because it was an interesting exciting piece of news uh, here's to hoping that someday I'm playing portable FF7 remake yes please uh, and thank you yeah portable FF15 I'd be real pumped about that too yeah honestly why not both there's no reason not to do both uh, <laughs> but yeah both, both is good yeah. But yeah. Uh, do we have any new questions? Let's check. I think so. Oh, Looks like we do. Platinum. 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 Thanks, Platy. It's been a while since we heard from you. Why are video games more known by their publisher than their developers? I feel this may or may, uh, may not be as prevalent amongst RP Gamer staff, but Joe Gamer calls Dragon Quest a Spranix game. Whole Adventure Bar stories, uh, series by Ridian gets slammed as Kemco shit. This isn't the case in books. No one's excited for a Harry Potter book by Doubleday or a new Mississippi Law thriller by Random House. Uh, well, because games learned their tricks from movies. Yeah, there's that, and uh, as I think Severin mentions later down on the thread, there is games are very much a collaborative exercise, so it's really hard to put mm -hmm. a single person's name on them. And when you can, very often they will um, for yeah. advertising purposes. But there's also the fact that, at least um, in the case of Dragon Quest, it's it's hard to distinguish the publisher from the developer anyway, even though, I mean, Armorsoft is technically the owner of the copyright for project. Dragon Quest uh, or Armor Project. Um, it's just that Armor Project doesn't actually make the game itself very often. They usually have another developer make it for them under the aegis of Enix and then Square Enix, which means that it's it's really Back hard when to it was under yeah. Enix from when... Armor Project. Yeah, back when it was under the aegis of uh, Enix, it was also not Enix developing it, because Enix didn't really have much internal development to speak of. It was always, like, Finsoft, and then Heartbeat, and then Level 5, and then now it's got an internal Square Enix division devoted to it. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's part of it right there, is it's hard to tell sometimes which companies are just publishers and which ones are publisher developers. In the case of Kimco, mm. it is pure, pure um, publisher at this point. Um, yeah, I don't think Kemco's had a meaningful internal development division in many years. <laughs> no, which is why at least, at least um, I mean, 
dunking on something because Kimco published it is a little disingenuous. Um, yeah, they don't. Yeah. Like, they have a specific profile of the kinds of games they release, which is very, like, yeah. even-handed, but at the same time, that doesn't mean much about its internal quality so much, because they're mostly yeah. just sort of paying for it. I mean, in general, you do kind of know what you're getting into with a Kimco game, just because they handle things at the same time. But that's more level. about, like, the kinds of projects they choose to fund. Yeah. But, I mean... But, I mean, if you're playing them that much, you should at least try to figure out which ones are Radiant and which ones are Execreate and which ones are whatever Adventure Story Bar, um, Adventure Bar Story was. Uh, uh, he says Radiant, and I'm willing Radian. to believe that. That one was Radiant? Okay. Yeah. I, mean, I I can name two of the developers that work with Kimco, at least. And <laughs> I've played enough of their games to recognize some things from them. Mm. Um, I mean, like, oh, Nippon Ichi is a publisher developer. Mm. and Enough so that it is understandable when people dunk on like a, an Atelier game for being a Nippon Ichi at the time because <laughs> Nippon Ichi was publishing them in America because yeah un, um, inaccurate to describe them that way yeah I think people mostly were bringing it up because Nippon Ichi America's uh, infamous reputation for releasing things that were broken but fail, failing to realize that uh, Atelier games already had a reputation for being released kind of broken yeah <laughs> Yeah, just not always the same way. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah. Uh, I did want to bring up, just uh, to do with Armor Project, I was never clear if Armor Project was even really a company or if it was just a... Uh, just essentially a label for contracting UT Holdy. Uh, it could quite possibly have been both, because, I mean, to the best of my knowledge, Armor Project is Yuji Holdy and whoever is helping him come up with ideas for Dragon Quest. Or that one time Chrono Trigger, but yeah. <laughs> so, um, it, I mean, it very much seems to be like a copyright placeholder just to say this is Yuji Horii's stake in the franchise. Mm -hmm. It's probably, there's like some sort of Byzantine tax reasons to do it as well. Uh, but I yeah. Mean, also just to uh, make sure that he retained rights at the beginning. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, like, Enix was a publisher and very much the sort of publisher that was very much willing to retain rights on everything, so Hori was using likely the power that he gained from being recognizable as the mind behind Portopia to uh, sort of, like, claim a stake in Dragon Quest that a fresh developer maybe not, would not have been able to. Speaking of someone actually being able to use their name recognition to their advantage in this industry... Yeah, pretty so, much. Uh, I mean, it was a much smaller market back then, but he was very well known at that time. In, in as much as, like that market, in as much as anyone could be recognized in that market, he was recognizable even at that time. But uh, I was going to say something about Protopia. Uh, but yeah, like you, you definitely see uh, this happen. It's just that the other thing is that much like. Uh, famous film directors, uh, people who get associated with being the auteur behind a game often end up, like, getting an outsized amount of authority and then pissing it down their leg. Which is why uh, all oh, of us yeah. can make jokes about John Romero. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, man, it is, it is wild to think how many people uh, got an ungodly amount of money for having made levels for Doom. Uh, mm -hmm. 
but yeah, uh, yeah, like, uh, and there, there is to some degree, like, uh, as mentioned, uh, you kind of, you, you get two ways about this because there is the fact that games are hugely collaborative and, uh, you know, a wild amount of people work on them. It's very hard to identify, uh, especially for marketing purposes, like the auteur behind them. But you also have a degree of, like, the company wants you to think of it as just the company made this game. Yeah. It's very useful for the company to just have you think of it as, oh, it's a Square Enix game. It's a Capcom game and not, uh, you know, this is a... Uh, team directed by the guy who direct who heads up Team Asano, uh, and for the same reason that like Disney uh, has you know essentially rapidly de-emphasized the age of like the superstar director uh, now that they're you know all especially now that they're all in on mega yeah. franchise films they will bring in like a big name director for the nerds who care about that and then mention them essentially zero times in the marketing because it's, it was only meant to draw in the kind of person who would not otherwise see a Marvel movie. Uh, so you bring in, like, an Edgar Wright, or forget who the director of Eternals was, but it was someone with name value. Yeah, which, which kind of went, uh, kind of backfired on them, too, because a lot of reviewers were very negative on the Eternals because of her previous work. and they considered Because it, it should be better. valuable in an artistic <laughs> sense. Yeah. So, but yeah, it was just Chloe Zhao for the record. Yeah. But yeah, like you, you get that. Uh, uh, the these these things are market use are emphasized in as much as they are useful for marketing and disregarded in all other senses. Uh, see also the erasure of the infamous a Hideo Kojima game that would uh, be at the top of every Metal Gear up until the Phantom Pain after Konami had a falling out when suddenly that was not on the cover anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, Kojima had his revenge, though. That game actually does a good job of uh, showing how much of a collaborative process games are by making it so that everyone who worked on any, every individual mission gets a credit at the beginning of every mission. So, like... Who worked on this mission? Well, it's actually very easy to tell because there's an opening credits for every mission in that game. <laughs> but yeah. Uh... Yeah, I mean... Do you ever hear... Um, do you ever remember the reason why um, the credits were moved to the end of the movies? Uh, I assume that was something to do with the studio system. <laughs> yeah, the studio system changed, and also some of the laws concer uh, concerning uh, accreditation changed. Mm. And so the studios found themselves in the position of having to give credit to everybody who did work with the film. Yep, and suddenly that was too long for the opening. <laughs> yeah. So they still do the, the regular openings with the, uh, the main cast. The top billing. The top billing, <laughs> but then they have to give everything at the end. And that's why you have to... That's why every time I watch a movie with friends, one of us is going to shout, Oh, there it is, best boy. Mm. One of the most... Uh, I, know, I just... I like to watch the credits and pick up interesting names to possibly use in stories. 
That's also a good one. You'll you'll like if you just want like it's it's cheaper than finding a way to randomly generate names. Just start Especially pulling from. Especially since it ends up giving you a much wider selection than a lot of name generators use. Yeah, like you're gonna end up with names from all sorts of different origins and cultures as well. Yeah, just like okay, you need to make a note and figure out what uh, what country this name is from because it sounds cool. Yeah. Yeah. The. <laughs> Yeah. 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 Uh, so yeah, that's kind of it. Uh, it's, it's almost as fun. It's almost as reliable as going through my spam filters and just marking down every name that pops up. <laughs> that has been surprisingly useful in the past. <laughs> well, at least you got something out of all that spam. Yeah. Well, I mean, except I have no no way to use all the Turkish and Polish names I had from one. Here, where that was like everything I was getting was either Turkish or Polish spam for my RPG game right now. <laughs> I do not know why. Did you just get teleported, Wheels? Yep. <laughs> where the hell am I? Oh. What? Oh. I went from the bottom of the map to the top of the map. <laughs> this is for speedrunners. Is it? No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, at least you didn't get transported to hell. What is hell? Uh, it's a place that's full of. Uh, well, I'll put it this way: when I got there, it was full of like horrible bird people, and also a. Uh, how to describe this? Uh, these awful rotting mans walking around, and when I got hit by them, I was being infected by some sort of uh, slowly building uh, status effect that I did not allow to build fully, but I did find items uh, nearby that were designed to cure something called Scarlet Rot. Hmm. Ooh. That's, uh... So yeah, not, great, not a great place. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, uh, in, in response to Platy's question, Severin brought up the boring answer, uh, his words. Uh, whatever easiest, most effective to market, series almost always have a recognizable name attached because games are so collaborative. Whatever company does the marketing push gets the attention and move. Uh, yeah. Which, yeah, we, we've came to basically uh, mm -hmm. a similar conclusion. But yeah, mm -hmm. uh, are you, are you just going to run headlong into this thing again? Okay, no. You just retrieved your shit. Yeah. Uh, no, I have watched a streamer do that boss, so... Ah, okay. I know. It's rough. But yeah. Uh, let's see. Perhaps we can pull out a couple questions from the big list before I conk out. I'll work out this whole balance more effectively eventually it's my first week I'm sorry no that's fine uh, this time you'll get it mm -hmm. uh, let's see from the big list of questions 117 is gaming the only form of cultural product which Americans consume just as much foreign made uh, material as domestic I've read a lot about how Americans rarely watch foreign movies or listen to foreign music, etc. I mean, probably, but I think games kind of show that that's mostly because that's just what people sell. Yeah. 
You actually typically have to go out of your way to find foreign work in America because there's just so much American-made work. And that's part of the thing is just Japan managed to really corner a market on certain types of video games for a long time. Pretty the, the, much. The, uh, was it the Atari Crash? Yeah, so. the Atari the Atari Crash uh, PC market did not fully fill the void like it did in uh, Europe, so you end up with a lot of Japanese-made stuff that has never really gone away. Uh, and that's also, like, carved out a niche for, like, there are definitely people that are really into, uh, like, niche... Uh, uh, video games grew out of an extremely niche uh, concept, and so, like, niches tend to have more of this, so, like, you'll find a lot of people who are really into board games that play a lot of really European board games, like... That is almost like an entire style of design for board games. Partly because the jet, the European market wasn't dominated by Milton Bradley. Pretty much. Uh, very grognardy, very uh, rules-heavy, very complex. Uh, but yeah. Uh, in general, like, uh, that having that opening... There's actually a trick that you can use for this area that I personally enjoy using. Uh, wheels. There's a pumpkin head type enemy in the back of the area that does not like these things and will kill them in the process of trying to kill you. So you kill a bunch of these, uh, and once you've aggroed like this really big mean one, you aggro that pumpkin head, and those two will get in a fight, killing one and heavily damaging the other. Nice. <laughs> but yeah, uh, in general, the the other thing is there is not a big translation bar. There was not a big translation barrier when we started getting a lot of imported games. Mm -hmm. By the time there became a big translation barrier, there was already a known large market for foreign produced games. Yeah. Whereas you get, uh, you know, and, and like it's it's clear. Okay. I was going to say, as compared to manga, where there was a major domestic market of comic books in America and a pretty substantial translation um, project for getting any manga over here or over there. Yeah, and and you can see that manga did not start taking off in popularity in the U.S. until the homegrown comic market completely killed the interests of anyone who was not already into the homegrown comic market. Yeah. When, when the implosion began um, became complete in the 90s. Yeah, and then suddenly there is a hole in the market for manga to bring in, bring up. But, yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that uh, saying that, you know, I, I won't disagree that most, uh, most Americans consume primarily American-made media. I think the argument that Americans wouldn't consume foreign-made media is one of those situations where it is a marketing self-fulfilling prophecy that the uh, unwillingness to localize uh, foreign-produced media uh, causes, uh, it, you know, it's you know partly a protectionist mindset behind from. Uh, 
you know, companies that produce media in the U.S. who have a larger uh, stranglehold on distribution. So, you know, it's it's a very complicated issue. uh, But then, you know, like, clearly people aren't completely turned away from it because you'll get stuff like Squid Game that comes out and does, like, gangbusters. Yeah. It's also because Netflix is willing to just take risks on on things that are fairly low cost to them. Yeah, like, Netflix is uh, one of those situations where it's, like, it's primarily a distribution company in a way that a lot of companies aren't, because a lot of them have a lot of vertical integration that causes them to have very little desire to bring over media produced by someone else. Yeah. Whereas Whereas... Netflix doesn't have that level of vertical integration and needs a lot more content produced elsewhere in order to uh, fight off these companies that have tons of vertical integration and tons of homegrown content. And so you get some really interesting, odd items from other countries that turn out to be very popular. And now Mm -hmm. I'm thinking back to the late 90s when the Food Network was so desperate to find anything to do that they actually licensed licensed, uh, Iron Chef. Yep. And that was, you know, that was very popular. There's been like three attempts to re-bottle that lightning in the U.S. with like an Iron Chef America, Iron Chef USA, and none of those have been anywhere near as popular as the Japanese Iron Chef. None of them dared be as crazy. Yep, as it turns out. So, yeah. Man. I mean, yeah, that, that's another example right there where, okay, there's a company that, it, or there's a distribution network that is starving for material. They can't afford to produce their own material at a level that is competitive. So they look outside their market and find something that they can license that it is quality enough that they can get for fairly cheap. Mm-hmm. And since they are not actually paying for the content, um, for the production, mm. it's, yeah, it's just all good to them. And that's why, like, that's why you end up with uh, Netflix is on the production committee for uh, JoJo Part 6. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Uh. But yeah, um, that's uh, that's that would be the the additional coda to that that I would bring is uh, a lot of American media companies really don't want to bother with other with content from other countries. So it's not so much that American. I think that there's plenty of argument that Americans absolutely will watch foreign produced media. They just would have to go to a lot of extra trouble to do it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, and a lot of the American distri- distribution networks don't want to. Yep. Because and they have a more vested interest in keeping a fairly homogenous uh, media market back home. Yep, makes it a lot easier to market. Makes it a lot easier to approve other shows. All sorts of reasons that they would much rather that you just keep consuming this. Yeah. Uh, also goes back to like the uh, early '90s when they. Um, scaled back some of the rules on how many stations you can own at a time and suddenly yeah. everyone started having almost the exact same content because they were owned by the same people. Yep. Uh, also known as the start of the decline of American music industry. Yeah. How do you feel about the idea that games can be a social control tool since if given the illusion of doing something without actually accomplishing anything, aka you're an actor 
participant, but whatever changes you brought is not applicable on the real world. Uh, I don't fully know if I get what uh, you're gesturing at here. I think, like, certainly uh, games as outlet are pretty common. Like, that's, that's you know, well known at this stage. Uh, games as, like, active social control, like, they're honestly still too abstract for that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I wouldn't put it past like Russia or South Korea to try it with the MMORPG market, but even then, no. Yeah. You would need something with massive saturation, massive appeal, and like a mandate to play almost. Yeah. Like, you could bring up games that have like aspects to do with society, but they're almost always just reflections of society. And thus, in that sense, only really offer social control. You should probably just let me speak it out as well. Uh, but only really uh, exert control in the sense that they exhibit a reflection of society that continues to act in that way. If you fall down this cliff, you are going to get uh, attacked. <laughs> Which one? I, I love the interpolation of video game commentary with other video game commentary and how it somehow works. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, so... You know, you get aspects of social control uh, in the sense that society exists to perpetuate society. But, you know, like, game as effective social control, they're often too easy to subvert anyway. Mm -hmm. Whether intentionally or not, like, you're just going to end up with, like... when When a game tells a player to do something, you have a fairly even split of... Game tells you to go right, and fifty percent of players are going to go left just out of spite. <laughs> uh, now I'm remembering um, one of the dungeons in Earthbound, where there was a sign that said, "Actually, I think it was Dungeon Man's first dungeon," and he was um, the sign said, "According to our survey, like eighty percent of players go right at an intersection the first time." <laughs> so Which left, was probably like actually... internal data they had. Yeah. So if you go left from that sign, you will find a secret treasure room. Uh, but yeah it's uh, in in terms of like being effective social control I don't think they're uh, in terms of like an attempt to uh, top down control society not not really a great vector because the nature of interactivity makes them (laughs) subverts a lot of the intended purpose uh in terms of like people using them to uh, act out unhealthy social urges and thus control themselves within society, yeah, I'd say there's plenty of argument for that. In uh, several specific Japanese video games, I would argue against it. I don't yeah. like to talk about those. Let's you know not. Exactly you know which ones I'm talking about, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. How mundane or self-serious can an RPG be before it stops being fun? I've had a conversation with a friend, and the end both agreed the only serious fighting games people uh, fighting games people could point to are boxing and UFC games, which then coincidentally no fighting game fan would play. Yeah, those those get labeled as sports games, even though they do have a lot in common with fighters for a reason. Uh, I mean, like. If a game becomes boring, it's a problem. Like, you have to have be both, like, po-faced and 
uninteresting because like i mean uh like i'll even like the game wales is playing right now elden ring that to look at it seems incredibly po-faced but at the same time you're also starting you're also playing a game that starts with the narrator shrieking about the glorious dung eater so the glorious there's, there's the glorious dung eater glorious dung eater yes this is like the opening segment. Yes, in the opening cut. I'm gonna have to see. Go gonna have to see if somebody's put this on YouTube just so I can experience sure this. Have. Yeah, it's it's in the opening. It's in the opening cutscene. That's definitely on YouTube. Yeah, I'm sure there's plenty of people who've put it on YouTube. Yeah. <sighs> but yeah, like it's one of those things. Like, if like like usually this manifests as the game is just boring. Also, hi. Uh. Oh. But yeah, like, people will accept a lot as long as the game doesn't get boring. Like, a game can be extremely self-serious in a way that descends into self-parody. And people will be fine with that because it's not boring. But, you know, if it's self-serious and, you know, has nothing going on, well then, yeah. People will get bored and leave. That's just kind of how it goes. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, let's see what time is it. It is one twelve, or the. Whatever time it is, your time. <laughs> Ten twelve. There you go. Okay, got a bit more time. Uh, it's three twelve. On that topic, 12. we're learning. On that topic, where on the spectrum of fun, of fun does Mountain Blade stand? I've never played it. Uh, Let's see. What was our review score for that one? Was that an RPG? <laughs> Mountain Blade? Maybe. Which game? Mountain Blade. I would not think of it as an RPG to just to look at it. I've seen friends stream it. I guess it's an action it's labeled an action RPG on its own Wikipedia page, so. Mountain Blade here we go. RPG RP Gamer Staff Review, Mountain Blade on the archive. Okay, so it uh, counts. Seventh Circle did this years ago. Let's see. He gave it a oh. three and a half out of five. Yeah, that sounds about right. That's what I'd expect from Seventh Circle. He, he, uh, doesn't, he doesn't write for the site anymore, does he? I don't believe so. I think we've covered before. I don't actually realize when people stop working for the website. <laughs> it's been a, a lot of time. There's I, not a lot of fanfare made about it. It's just like, oh yeah. But, but I mean, even when he was still here, he it was often a joke that he rarely ever actually did anything of direct content because he was mostly doing uh, like he was he was good for behind the scenes editing and stuff but he mm -hmm. very rarely could be bothered to write a game review so yeah but this is one of his mm -hmm. from way back in the day um, from the Could old site like 2011 or so years, years ago, years ago. <laughs> but, yeah he seemed to enjoy it yeah yeah, uh, so yeah, uh, as is obvious, I have no authority to speak on Mountain Blade. 
I, I found it funny this morning. I was I, and I mentioned this in the streaming channel, um, that I found a Taiwanese RPG that apparently we reviewed the first one, had a a post for the announcement of the second one, and we oh, completely the missed the second one releasing last week. Oops. <laughs> Yeah, actually. Oh, time to get cracking. Actually, found that game, the original game, not the new one, uh, randomly in a GameStop and picked it up for like twenty bucks. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Which game series is this? Dusk Diver. Okay. Cool. I've heard of that. I haven't, so I'm curious. Yeah, I picked it up yeah. for about five dollars off of the uh, fanatical bundle I posted. Nice. Just remind me. Uh, I've, I think I've plugged this before, but if you ever want to hear about a truly fascinating bit of uh, gaming history, uh, there is a YouTube channel that did a uh, a Taiwanese YouTube channel that did an an English dubbed and subtitled video uh, on a Taiwanese original console called the Super Akan from 1995. And it is fascinating. There are only like 12 games for the platform. It goes over all of them. It goes over a bunch of the games that were announced but canceled. And sort of goes over like the uh, business end of why that system failed to take off, even in its homeland of Taiwan. Absolutely fascinating uh, on a YouTube channel labeled named like Low Score Boy. It's very worth watching if you're ever interested. I think I've heard you talk about that one before. Yeah, like I said, I think I've brought it up before, and it's absolutely worth seeing. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, but yeah. Uh, I don't think any of us has first-hand knowledge of... Uh, of Mountain Blade, so I don't think we can discuss for on that question. This next question is fighting words. Uh-oh. Uh, which, uh, 121, which games are better than their sequels? For example, Super Mario Brothers 3 to Super Mario World. Fighting words, wrong order. Um. <laughs> well, I can say, for example, that um, the first Maple Story DS game was a better game overall <laughs> than this one. Of course. Um, not... No, I mean the the thing is the 3DS game was a better was on a technical level a better game just from controls mm. and graphics. It just wasn't No, I just I knew you'd be referencing this because I know you like both games but you like the yeah. DS one a lot more. <laughs> yeah, it, it just wasn't as much a game of a game as the first one because the first one had four characters and multi uh, or interwoven storyline and quite a few other interesting things and and only one fetch quest which was done for plot purposes and the 3DS game had better graphics, better controls, probably better combat, but only one story, about a quarter of the actual playtime, and too many fetch quests. Just less entertaining overall. Yeah. Let's you got Final any Fantasy ways? Final Fantasy is better than Final Fantasy 2. I disagree, actually, but... Um, uh... it, it, that, that one's a bit harder to argue, because a lot of it depends on your willingness to put up with Final Fantasy 2's quirks. Also I mean, you also have to put up with a lot of Final Fantasy 1's works. And, 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 I, and I say this as somebody who enjoyed Final Fantasy 2, but I can recognize that there are people who would definitely prefer the first one over the second. 
Indeed, but I'm an uh, but I'm an iconoclast apparently. Uh... Much as I know at least one other person on this podcast would agree with me that Final Fantasy Legend Two was a better game than Final Fantasy Legend Three. It's true. It's true. It's undeniable. Yes. Now it's not. But... It's not as easy to say that for the DS remakes, but for the Game Boy games, definitely. Yes. Oh yeah. I, I felt Final Fantasy Legend Two had the better story. Final Fantasy Legend 3 failed because it tried to tell the bigger story and couldn't. Final yeah. Fantasy Legend 3 is boring and bad. See, I love playing 3 because I think, like, overall it's a good game compared to 2, but I love the 2 story because every world had its own story to tell. Mm-hmm. I mean, I will admit, when I first played 3, um... A long, long time ago in a country. You're gonna be fighting away. this thing for an hour, Will. Um, <laughs> um, I, I thought I enjoyed it more than two at first, but then I realized at some point that I was basically trolling the. Um, at the end of the game, I was just trolling for this one particular encounter that gave the most experience points, because I was just trying to grind for the final boss, and I just this is boring. Um, <sighs> so Final Fantasy oh, Legend I just, I just at least made uh, more interesting throughout. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, no, for that, I just took the talent and just ran it across the world over and over again. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. What was I going to say? Uh, I'll pull out another fairly uncontroversial one. Star Ocean 2 is better than Star Ocean 3. Dark Souls oh, 2 easy. is better Star than Ocean, Dark Souls 3. Star Ocean Blue um, Sphere is better than Star Ocean 3. It's true. Which is much more shameful because that's a Game Boy game. <laughs> Game Boy Color, but yes. It's a very good Game Boy Color game. Yes, it is. Dark Souls is better than Demon Souls. Wait, no, that's the wrong Yeah, but that's not a... Never mind. That doesn't make well, sense. That's, that's <laughs> that the wrong way around, the... Wheels. Yeah. Uh, well, Dark Souls 2 is better than Dark Souls 3, so there you go. It's not, but is... I'm glad you feel that it way. Is... Sorry. That talisman is also not for you, for the record. That talisman only helps if you have a... Uh, if you're dual-wielding weapons. Can I do uh, ones? No, I don't believe so. Also, it wouldn't make any sense. You need to jump on that gazebo. Um, and if you, imagine if they let you dual wield wands, and then suddenly you'd be like John Wick with magic. <laughs> John Magic. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, we're just gonna have to agree to disagree on Dark Souls Two versus Three, as we always do. Uh, a, lo- a lot of people who are fans of Star Ocean believe Star Ocean Three is way better than Star Ocean Four. They're wrong. That's also true. Uh, possibly. Uh, I, I doubt Star Ocean that. 3 and 4 are both bad for different reasons. <laughs> I love 4. That is, that's perfectly possible, yes. Okay, then um, Metal Max 2 is better than either um, than Metal Saga, definitely. Yes. Fair. Fair. Uh, better than Metal Saga Season of Steel on several points where <sighs> that should not have been possible, but yeah. <laughs> Dragon Quest 7 <laughs> is better than Dragon Quest 8. Still wrong. Which version um, 7 are we talking about? Uh, Wheels is talking 3D. Okay, I would be about willing to let you, grant you that one, not the PlayStation version. I don't believe... I don't agree with that, because the dungeons in Dragon Quest 7 did not lend itself to the 3... You know, for the monsters being on screen and in 3D, because the dungeons are too narrow for you to try to outmaneuver the monster. So you basically ended up fighting way more than you wanted. 
That is true. I, I do remember that complaint. At the same time, they also trimmed the game down significantly on some spots. So. You jump on that goddamn gazebo wheels. What, the thing right in front of me? I already did. No, I am saying that the thing... Okay, go go look at the bridge. Okay. That's not a gazebo. The gazebo attacks. <laughs> the gazebo actually attacks? Oh, no. Uh, no, Too that's not what a gazebo is, wheels. Turn around. You, you've okay, heard the D&D story about the gazebo, correct? Uh, that's the joke, yeah. Okay. Yes. Look Princess on the right of the bridge. There's four. a big place yes, where I've, there was I've also actually played some... This joke. Okay, okay. The gazebo below you. Yeah, I got it. I got I got him. Now what? Now it attacks you. This whole building attacks me? That'd no, it funny. was a joke. It was a joke on the D&D story. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be funny if it did, though. It'd be very funny if it did. Also, there's a thing down here you can kill to get some flask back. But, uh... Oh, gazebo you. I don't like the sound of that at all. Alright, roll for um, the gazebo. Too late, the gazebo attacks, killing you instantly. Uh, what? No magic flasks? You lied to me. No, it gives you flasks. I didn't say songs. it gave you magic ones. hate when people do that. Don't worry, you're close to a side of grace anyway. Uh... But yeah, uh. Let's see. Oh, yeah, another uncontroversial one. Every prior Lunar game is better than Lunar Dragon Song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every single one, and I've played all of them. <laughs> this guy Grandia 3 is better than Grandia 3. Disgaea 3 yeah. is better than yeah. Disgaea 4, and Disgaea 4 is better than Disgaea 5. Mm. That that uh, that first one might actually get you some debate. What, 3 better than 4? Probably. But yeah. I think most people will obsess over it. Wait, Disgaea 3 looks like a PS2 game. I actually enjoyed Disgaea 4 way more than 3. <laughs> Fight, 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 fight. Know. Be careful, you're going to get marauded by rats. I, I say that because Valvatore was a much better character than Mal. No one's better than Mal. Mal was just an egotistical brat who wanted to rule the school. Yeah, I know. He, there was no depth <laughs> to his character. It's Disgaea. I was going to say, you expect depth from Disgaea. <laughs> I kind of do, because, like, Disgaea 1, there was depth to... Laharl. Laharl. Hmm. Depending on if you how good of a playthrough you did. <laughs> yeah. For the record, there's a side of grace essentially behind you. Alright, well I need to finish murdering rats. Yeah, just want thought you would want to know. Thank you. <laughs> Wait, but yeah, uh yeah, we could we could go on, we could go about this all day. Uh, it's it's to the right of the area that had the rats in it, not not oh, across the bridge. Saying. Do not go across the bridge. <laughs> I, I like the warning. Do not go across the bridge. 
I, I don't want Wales to die before reaching the site of grace. <laughs> but yeah. Um, apologies for all the backseating Wales. Oh, that's always welcome. Also, apparently there's a second question, 121. I can I can't blame him for losing count at this stage, especially when the one of these was the end of a page. Um, uh, what games are were the most overrated because there wasn't anything like it at the time of its release? To me, they're Battle Arena Toshinden and Grand Theft Auto 3. Demon Souls. Thing is, there actually were plenty of games like uh, Toshinden at the time. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they just weren't on the PlayStation that people had actually bought. Mm -hmm. Demon Souls. Yeah, kind of. That game's hard. Like a lot of this is going to be what has been outmoded by its successors. Uh, um, I don't think it's necessarily even outmoded by uh, successors. I think there was a lot in that game that was really bad that we that a lot of people ignored because we could see the core that was really cool that now that yeah and so the second that you had a yeah. game that did that that wasn't horse shit in a lot of yeah. ways uh, but yeah like you know uh you, you look at something like toshinden it's like toshinden is aided and abetted by the fact that the playstation has no good fighting games at launch <laughs> Uh, whereas, like, if you had had a Saturn, you could be playing an ugly-ass port of Virtua Fighter, but still you were playing Virtua Fighter, so you were going to be a lot happier. Now, what else was there? Like, Bushido Blade? I don't oh, know that's when... that's not at launch. That's, like, two years later. Oh, really? I, well... Yeah, uh, Bushido Blade's Dynasty... like a 1997 game. What about Dynasty Warriors? Dynasty Warriors 1 is still probably at least a year out. Okay. Uh, the only PS1, the only fighting games that PS1 launch are, uh, are, God, why am I blanking on the name? Battle Arena Toshinden and Street Fighter the Movie the Game. Ooh. <laughs> and it's, it, it's oh, the Fighter better movie. Street Game. Is that the actual title or are we just joking? No, that is uh, the actual title. Yeah. The, the game is not part of the title, it's just that the game is called Street Fighter the Movie, so the only way to differentiate that you're not talking about the movie is by calling it Street Fighter the Movie the Game. Uh, in Japan, it was called Street Fighter the Real Battle on Film, which is one of my favorite game titles ever. Uh, and that was in part to differentiate it from a game based off of the Street Fighter the Animated Movie, which was mostly a game where you forced a robot to watch clips from the Street Fighter Animated Movie so it could learn how to fight. <laughs> okay. Video games are dumb as shit. Um, oh, let's Japan. see. But yeah. Uh, yeah, my, my... I still think that one's, you know... The guy who played M. Bison, I... I I'm terrible with Julia. that. You know, he was such a good character for that role. I wish, I wish he... He was wonderful in all his roles. Like, he was also Raul great. Julia? He, he was... What? Yeah, Raul Julia. Yeah. Ra Raul Julia was also great as fucking Gomez Adams, like, a year or two before. Mm -hmm. But you did hear why he chose to do M. Bison, right? His... It was like his children or grandchildren like wanted him to do it, and he wanted them his, to have a... His, son, his sons, ages 8 and 10, were huge Street Fighter 2 fans, 
And yep. also, he had been diagnosed with stage 3 stomach cancer and knew that he only had one film left in him possible. So he wanted to make sure that his last film was something his kids could enjoy. Aww. Something his kids would enjoy and that would leave him with a big paycheck to leave to them. No, not um, from what I heard, it was very, very much. He didn't have to worry about the paycheck. He just wanted to make sure his kids would enjoy it, which is well, why he ended up becoming the only quality actor in the entire project. <laughs> There's plenty of decent. There are decent actors in there, but he's the only one giving it his undivided all. Like he chews the scenery so hard, it's hilarious. Like he is exactly what Bison needs to be. He is the only one who could make that role work in live action. Well, granted, we probably because we haven't seen anyone else, we can't really say a hundred. There actually is one other live action portrayal. Oh yeah, there is that uh, Chun Li one, huh? Legend of Chun Li, where he's like an evil land developer. It sucks. And he's uh, yeah. Yeah, but but he in says general, that's like. White corporate <laughs> Yeah, it's just, it's a it's a land developer for some reason, but yeah. Uh, it's one of those things where it's like, it has to be someone willing to completely lean into the, like, no, he's just a super villain. <laughs> hey! but, Congrats on the achievement. Thank good you. work. Great enemy failed. Jolly cooperation. Oh, look, okay. But yeah, uh, but yeah, Raul Julia understood what that role needed better than essentially any human being possibly uh, could. Uh, and he rest just in peace. The scenery for as much for as long. He, as he manages could. to make that film worth watching. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's the one thing I hear every time it comes up is like, just watch it for him. Don't watch. There's it for some other else. like just absolute goddamn nonsense in that film. Like you'll just get truly bizarre lines from other characters one of my personal favorites being like one of E. Honda's only lines where he just says the honestly baffling line I am sumo brother my body can be in one place my mind another <laughs> I I think someone just wanted him to rhyme there for no reason were they going trying for a haiku and failed I don't think I so <laughs> like this this the way he says it, the syllables don't line up at all for it. No, I know. That's why I said, and they failed. Yeah, I guess. They would have to fail, like, in a level that, like, was worse than me in, like, eighth grade, so. <laughs> See, that also, I looked it up. Dynasty cool. Warriors 1 is February of 1997. Doshin then is, like, a, uh, you know, launch PS1 game in the U.S., so, like, September of 95, so, yeah. Uh, like, I think the, the earliest fighting game, uh, of note on the PS1 is Tekken 1, which is, uh, yeah, in Japan, it's March of 95, in the US, it's, uh, November of 95, so a couple months after Toshin done. Uh... But yeah, Toshinden uh, was also aided and abetted by Sony deciding that uh, this was the time to begin marketing video games on the basis of uh, this lady's only 100 polygons, but there are enough desperate teenage boys that we can center our marketing on this. Yep. 
<sighs> what a time to be alive. And the lead game designer in that project regretted ever seeing the original concept model on his athletic sister. <laughs> That's rough. Yep. True, uh, but rough. Uh, okay. And I think we can do throw one more out of one more out here. After Persona 4 came out, I thought more games about rural or small town Japan would come. It's not that difficult to find Japanese horror literature taking place in these settings, right? Yeah, we got several ser several games based around that. I mean, I think that you run into the issue of like if you're not doing horror, that's about like there, the horror exists because it's the upsetting of what is seen as like a you know fairly rural and passive setting. So like something horrifying happening there is off-putting in a very specific way. Whereas, that's also why it's the setting of um, a lot of um, animes that have to deal with like aliens and such too. Sometimes yeah. is because yeah, like you're, you're out of the normal that you're going to see in those type of settings. Yeah, you're evoking or that contrast, or something completely bizarre like Spiral. Oh God! Who's but yeah, think? like I still but, don't like, know what spirals, uh, what the spiral is. Nobody knows. It's just really bizarre and weird. Oh, okay, okay. But yeah, like the, the the issue you run into is that like even in Persona Four, the point of Inaba is that outside of what's happening in the game, it's honestly a pretty boring place. Not necessarily in a bad way, but honestly, a pretty boring place. <laughs> so, uh, you, you run into. Uh, I mean, in order... part of the reason why Risei goes there is because it's boring. It's out of the way. People probably wouldn't have recognized her. Yeah, it's one of those things like no one, no one comes here. There's, there's nothing to do here unless you are all, you have like family here, basically. Uh, I know. I have actually done classes in towns that were very much like Persona 4s. Yeah, Inaba. Uh, Kurume or Tosu over here. Yeah, mm. the the places that are. The medium, uh, I'm not even going to say medium size, but the small cities in between the bigger ones. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, Inaba could have been Tosu in Fukuoka, just in mm -hmm. very similar location. Yeah, like they're, they're the kinds of place where it's like, there's just not a lot going on here, and that's kind of the point. And like, a lot of places don't really want to draw that deliberate contrast. It's not. You you need to be doing something with it for that setting to make sense, or you need to be making something that the entire point is the like romanticization of an idyllic small town life. So you get something like some of the Boku no Nakiyasumi games. There he is. By the way, wow, that's a big dragon. Yeah, three yeah. of the three of the alien animes that I can think of just off the top of my head is. Uh, uh, this one, this ugly and beautiful world. Oh, I remember hearing about that one. Very good. It's the same crew that did Mahoromatic. Yeah, yeah. Um, figure seventeen. Hmm. Never heard of that one. Oh wow! I have, I've actually know of an anime that you don't. Wow! I'm actually shocked. <laughs> my my greatest expertise is an anime that ha that came out in like the seventies. So. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm like 80s and 90s, like late 80s and most of the 90s and maybe early 2Ks. 
I tend to go like 70s. I tend to go 70s to 90s, and I keep track of what comes out new, but otherwise, um, if there's big holes. Yeah, and then uh, Onegai Ona Teacher. Oh yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> but I yeah. Like <laughs> I understand. But uh. But yeah. Although that just... novel was, I mean. The, the novel for Onegai Teacher and one of the novels for Vampire Hunter Dean, because they did actually release the novels in the U.S., mm. I came to understand that the way they write is, as far as like when it gets translated into English, I don't know if this is how they come across in Japan there, uh, Gaijin, is sort of like, mm -hmm. high, like middle school, high school level. Oh yeah, 100%. Target demographic. Okay, okay. And, I mean, part of it's the target demographic is actually middle school to high school, mostly high school. Part of it is, um, just like we've said before, as far as Japanese is concerned, English is basically the Darmok language. Um, <laughs> where it's just very, very, uh, what's wrong? The nuances are put on different things. Um, things that are very nuanced in Japanese cannot be nuanced in English because we don't have the words. Um, vice versa. Um, a lot of way too many sets of English verbs just boil down to a single word in Japanese with an adverb. So, um, also, I think Wheels is getting taunted by his sister. Yes, this is true. Wheels, she's also telling me to try and kill the dragon again. So, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm watching the wrong stream. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, someone has to keep track of the RPG in the stream. There's no one watching the RP Gamer stream but me. Ouch. Actually, there is one other person, at least, like, actively watching it. I don't know about Lurkers, but I don't know who it is. It might be just mm. simply Wheels having it open on a different no, I background don't, or something. I don't have it open. But, yeah. Uh... <sighs> so, but, yeah, so that's why it's kind of why you see cer uh, certain styles of games take place in these small like ruralish towns is not because of you know want to see it in all the games but because it only really fits in their perspective of how these towns work yeah. because all these towns have sort of a mental image in their society whereas um, certain things just would not happen in them yeah, I mean, so it's it, also it just limits what you can do. <laughs> I mean, at least for manga and anime, you see small towns a lot more for horror stories, like you said. But also, um, it's one little section of the uh, high school exchange student trope. It's, oh yeah, of course. It's it's almost always either small town kid goes to Tokyo or the opposite. Yeah. So you have a lot of fish out of water stories based around this, but. Um, the actual which uh, persona also da uh, dabbles in. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that fire barely touched you, and it kicked your butt. I mean, that's what fire does to me too. To be fair. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, like the the other thing is, of course, that like if you don't intend to either indulge in or draw a contrast with that small town. Uh, atmosphere. It just that setting is limiting. 
like much more limiting than what you can do in Tokyo, where your audience is statistically likely to live anyway. <laughs> but, yeah, so that's that's what I would guess is probably the thing that keeps these from really uh, growing in the zeitgeist. Okay, I think I can do one more. Hey, AC. Hmm? Every everyone is showing everyone I know is showing up to watch me get murdered by a dragon. Uh, beloved uh Beloved Doom mode, watch me die. Um Oh good <laughs> Uh, you're making the noises I make when I get suddenly owned by a boss. Did that boss... Did the dragon just miss you? I don't know. Somehow. It, like, completely missed you. And it landed, like, right on top of you. That's actually pretty cool. Now I'm getting chased by a f fucking... Dragonfly. Dragonfly. Let's hit this last question. This doesn't really this isn't really an RPG question, but we've shown much willingness to talk about things that aren't open so whatever. Uh, do you think the reason annual sports titles are allowed to exist in the age of DLC and huge patches is because of herd behavior aka everyone else has the newest FIFA, so they've gotta buy it. Uh, the reason is that most of those people a lot of people who buy sports games don't really buy other games, so they don't mind spending sixty dollars to get uh, the new version of the game that also is going to not be compatible if someone so like there is hurt behavior in the sense of you know uh it's i can't play with my friends if they have the new version and i don't but also it's just like eh, it's sixty dollars in a year i'll get a lot of fun out of it playing with friends so who cares and also i mean you're not gonna find anyone else that can provide you an alternative that has all the teams that you care about so it's a it's a strong mix of things as any consistent economic decision ends up being. But uh, inevitably, a lot of the answer ends up being well, they have them. They have anyone who's a fan of sports over a barrel. Did that dragon just disappear like a yeah, moron? Yeah, yeah, no, it sure <laughs> did. I'm still trying to figure that out. <laughs> oh, don't worry, it's back. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So it's one of those things where it's like, there's a lot of reasons for it, and most of them make at least a fair amount of sense. But yeah, uh, uh, we'll throw this one out just for Gaijin. Uh, is it true that the way people read specific kanji characters changes with time, helps and specific literature and games? About the same way it does when linguistic drift hits English. <laughs> so, I mean, it doesn't happen that often as, or it doesn't happen that much with kanji. It's because mm -hmm. kanji are supposed to be low, like ideogrammatical chunks. And so they're mm -hmm. fairly set. Um, but it does happen from time to time. Especially mm -hmm. when, like, a specific verb gets a specific extra meaning in one, di X, or one dialect and it just spreads. Mm -hmm. So, like, um,. The only one that I can think of offhand is the Japanese word for study, which is benkyosuru. Yeah. 
um, where Benkyo Suru originally started off as a verb that meant to uh, to persevere or to keep on going. Oh, I which can is see why, that which is why it includes the kanji for um, for being strong in it. I wondered about and that. And then apparently, um, and apparently, it still has this meaning in Osaka dialect. <laughs> but, Always Osaka um, somehow. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just that Osaka and Tokyo were the op the opposing dialects. So apparently, in the Kanto dialect, it came to also mean perseverance through study, or perseverance mm -hmm. to finish your homework. Um, and it just kept that meaning. Interesting. So that's one of the few cases where I can definitely point to a kanji or kanji combination that has changed meanings to a perceptible degree. Yeah, I feel like a lot of times what ends up happening is just a kanji just stops being something people pay attention to or remember. <laughs> Which is not to say that it happens often, but I'd say that it would be easier to document. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times kanji just get dropped. Um, yeah, like you can find like records of like the government basically said you don't have to know these ones anymore. <laughs> oh yes, actually, um, but things like um, um, the Japanese verb for to find something mitsugeru has two kanji. But only I would imagine one of them isn't used, used that much. <laughs> I mean, the other one is a, still a common kanji. It's just not used with that verb anymore. It was deemed not really relevant. Probably just makes so, it like. It just creates ambiguities occasionally, so it's like, man, why bother? <laughs> it doesn't even include ambiguity, it's just, it's like, it's not needed for the total meaning, so people just stopped using it as kanji. Mm. Interesting. Which is why, um, I can't... Um, a while back I was googling one of my story titles and came across a... what looked to be a forum thread discussing where to find it on ebook. I'm like, okay, what's going on here? And... The odd thing was that this forum was apparently all in Japanese. Hmm. And the question was, okay, where can I find it? And when they wrote up Mitsugeru, it actually had both kanji in it. <laughs> As it turns out, this is some sort of weird phishing site or something. Um, I just, I shared the link with a few friends on a, a different Discord, and we managed to document it in English, German, Spanish, and Japanese. Fascinating. Based entirely on, um, on... Where the uh, where the viewer was located, um, and I also found it for multiple different book titles. Same site, same same site, same people, same dialogue. That's weird. I can only imagine. And, and all of the links on the page, except I mean the one link to the look um, to the uh, destination was good. Everything else, everything that would have made that site a functioning forum did not actually work. That's utterly bizarre. Mm -hmm. <sighs> yeah, the the real fun the real fun in Japanese is going back and looking at the the dropped uh, the dropped uh, hiragana and katakana. Which still occasionally show up artistically in certain things. I believe, like, I think the rebuild of Ava movies used, like, uh... Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, with, like, yeah. uh... Yeah, that, that was that was dropped out in the Taisho period, or 
Yeah. It had been late Meiji even, but there there were still people with names using it in the Taisho period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And nowadays Which... you only see it in certain company names. Yeah, just sort company. of like a... Yeah, just just as sort of an identifier of like, hey, here's something that you can identify with us. Here's this, here's this weird kana you don't use anymore. <laughs> I mean, they just decided it wasn't necessary. Yeah. I mean, uh, yay, ye, and actually, technically, woe are. They just kind of yeah, mark I mean, where. Yeah, woe is only really used for grammatical purposes, and it's not pronounced woe. That's the woe only is. reason it's remained was because it otherwise has no phonetic function. It's because those yeah. were all originally just used to show that between two vowels you had a spit of something else if you said it fast enough. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I mean, like, ya, you, and yo actually had usage as words in Japanese, but the others didn't. Yeah. Which is why ye and ye were both also we and way. Yeah, we so uh, shows up occasionally in some stuff as well. I think I, there's like... Uh... Ye and we are the same thing. Mm-hmm the exact same symbol because all that symbol does is mark that there is a demi vowel in between the two vowels mm -hmm. so but this is also why uh for example the late senator from hawaii was named inoye because mm. his name was actually inoue and the last kana in his name was that one that you were noting that can be y or w depending on the combination mm-hmm Except whoever was transcribing the name into English for immigration purposes didn't know how the thing worked. And so they just yep. wrote yay for every single instance. Yep. Uh, but yeah. Don't worry, though. You can still find them. They're just novelties at this point. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the first time I actually saw them was in a Gust Atelier game because they had the gallery of pictures. And they uh -huh. needed uh, two more. <laughs> they had like 54 pictures and only 52 <laughs> Well, so if we're going to label these with the Gojo arms. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is... Okay, yeah. I'm about ready to conk out anyway, so... Gaijin, tell us where we can get your books without going to a shady fishing website. <laughs> well, the the only place where you can officially find Princesses of the Pizza Parlor is on Amazon, Kindle, and Kindle Unlimited, uh, in either e um, individual ebook episodes or a nice, concise paperback collection format. Uh, it's uh, Princesses of the Pizza Parlor by Michael Yarimizu. Um... If you enjoy, if for some reason you enjoy actual play podcasts, this is basically one in print format, except that it actually predates um, all the famous Zeitgeist. ones. Zeitgeist. <laughs> yeah, it, it, pre it predates the Zeitgeist by quite a few years since I started writing these things in 2015 and actually self published in 2017. Um, <laughs> so, but it, it is nice to actually have something I can definitely compare them to now instead of. Saying, well, it's sort of lit RPG, except, you know, it doesn't actually fit several of the major points of the genre, but you know what? It's the closest thing. Let's go with that. Mm -hmm. But now you found something much closer. <laughs> yes. I just wish it was something that was more consistently good. 
compare it to. Well, <laughs> well that's, that's your, genre's Your part, reviews yeah. on uh, Amazon are apparently all very good. Oh, yeah, except for the one three-star review that I got for the first episode where the guy actually misspelled the word ebook, which is funny. And, that's impressive um, after a fish. It was like, yeah, so just for the just for fun episode 11 um where at the start the, the girls are discussing their having the having to actually get through their summer reading for once that um and one of the girls actually does a mock review of her current reading book and i directly quote that one review <laughs> so um I, I cut out the part that is definitely identifiable as this book um but otherwise yeah it's just Eh, what's the point of writing if you don't have a little fun? Yep. It's like I told my dad, it's like, yeah, inside jokes are gifts to the author. <laughs> that they're, They don't actually have a point aside from making the author giggle, but if he can make it funny, even if you don't understand the context, then even better. Even better. Yeah. Be sure to give those a read, and if you do, give them a, give them a friendly review. It helps. Yeah. A friendly review, or even if you're able, just a few stars, because I know if you're a um, specific type of Amazon user, you can just leave starred review or star rankings. Yeah, and that helps. Anything helps the algorithm. <laughs> yep. And if you enjoy more than one episode, leave some stars on the other episodes as well. Because some of them yeah, are just it's not, like, they're not rated um, collectively. <laughs> yep. Oh, no, I mean, there, it does have a series page that you can rate collectively. That one just only has one review on it. Uh, hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, what have you got, Tam? I sometimes stream here at the, the uh, on Twitch.tv/rpgamer. Uh, usually two days a week and one night, but there's a whole bunch of us to do. Um, a lot of different content between myself, Hair Frog, Scar, and JC Servant. Uh, Wheels also is here two nights a week, one for what we're doing right now, which is the QA quest, where currently he is getting beaten by a sword-wielding crocodile? I'm not sure how to describe this beast, but yeah, we'll let him nope. deal with that. It's a rather tough fight. And then on At least it's not fingers. Uh, and Sunday nights for some uh, shenanigans. Yep. It's probably going to be uh, lots of Elden Ring for a while. Yeah, for the record, this game labels this creature a bloodhound. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. It's hard so to it's, tell not, the so shape it's an of Apex its Legend, head. you're saying. It's the Bloodhound Gang. Um, but yeah. Uh, a, 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 nothing but mammals. <laughs> uh, please, why I'm, I'm stopping it there. I'm stopping it there. Thank God. Yeah. Right, you just took you just regressed my song memory twenty years. Oh no. Ugh. Twenty three years. Why'd you have to go do that? In it's any case. Who let the dogs out, man? No. Um in any case. Yeah, the, yeah. the only the only time that song is good is when it's one of the Whose Line Is It Anyway news openings where he's talking like Pete Townsend da 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 and the police have agreed that the Who let the dogs out. Wow. So, yeah. I, I need to that find joke. that again. So I, can remember it. I, I love yeah. I love Colin Mockery. Yeah, he is a treasure. 
In any case. So yeah, you can watch, you can listen to us record Q&A class if you want uh, on Wednesday nights. 9 p.m. Pacific, uh, yeah, 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern, until one of me wheels, or, well, it's always either me or wheels, conks out and dies. Um, you can also, uh, and yeah, shenanigans around the same time, but on Sunday nights. Uh, on the RP Gamer channel, uh, typically there's at least a 33% chance that any given episode of Shenanigans will be followed up with a uh, fighting game stream on Wheels' channel, or at the very least, go play Fortnite for like uh, half an hour. Uh, but yeah. Uh, can I just say how much I appreciate that you're not able to just block everything this thing does because bleed gets through your shield? Yeah. It's but it's extremely rude in it owns. Um, but yeah. Uh, uh, God, how was I going to say? Tam, you've been, have you been streaming the FF6 Pixel Remaster? Is that what you've been up to? No, I've I've been doing the uh, Parasite, I'm finishing up Parasite Eve and, uh, the, and there are discussions about the Final Fantasy VI Pixel Remaster. You were willing to fight for that one. <laughs> but, uh, it's it's complicated. I'm sure. And I I was going to discuss it a little with Wheels once uh, we're done with the QA quest. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, in any case, uh, as for me, uh, I still have a Patreon blog. It is going to be. Relatively limited uh, updates uh, for the next little while because I'm, as has been mentioned a few times on this podcast, working out uh, how things in my life are going to fit into my current work schedule. Uh, hopefully, I can resolve that within a few weeks. But you know, onboarding, training, all that just it takes a bit. Uh, but you can still read what's on there. None of it has gone bad in the interim, and some of it is at least reasonably decently written. Uh, throw me a few bucks if you think it's worthwhile, but don't feel obligated. It's all free anyway. Uh, otherwise, uh, you can ask us questions like good friend, uh, good friends Platym3 and Fireminer did this week. You can ask us in the Discord. You can join the Discord by going to the community tab of RP Gamer, which will be get you to a Discord invite link. Uh, it's a great place to hang out, even if you don't uh, want to ask us questions, but if you do, you can come on in here and ask us in the podcast section, and also ask us in the comments section in uh, underneath this very episode when you find an RP Gamer. Uh, we love answering questions. We usually check the last few episodes just to be sure we don't miss anything or if you're watching us you can throw questions in the chat that's always welcome but you know that has to be when we are recording so it's a limited time frame but otherwise see ya space cowboys see ya bye, bye.